the Skyline Wealth Strategies Radio Show. I'm Walter Storholt, joined as always by Jess Hamill and Jonathan Berkland and the great team at Skyline Wealth Strategies. You can find more information about the team and how we can help you prepare for retirement by going to skylinewealth.com. For a couple of minutes on today's show, we want to talk about hidden gems in the financial world. You know, if you're like most people, you probably have some financial accounts that you haven't really paid much attention to recently. Perhaps the statements are just collecting dust in your file cabinet, but they might actually be hidden gems that you could put to much better use. So we're going to talk about some of these old accounts that people tend to ignore for too long and how we can maybe use them better. Jess and Jonathan, one thing that certainly comes to mind, I'm sure you see this all the time in the office, people come in with those old 401ks. They used to work with a company, had a 401k with them, left that company, but then they never did anything with that 401k. Why is that maybe one of these areas of opportunity? We do see that more often than you would expect, or at least more often than I would expect. It's one thing to leave it there and just never get around to doing something with it. But it amazes me how many people forget that they're there in the first place. Yeah, yeah, they're coming out. I think when I worked over at that one place, I think I have yeah. something there. Do you have a statement for it? No, no. Can you help right. me with that? Or like, uh, Or you'll have the, the, find the husband and wife team and, and the wife's going, no, I don't have anything. The husband's like, remember that place you worked 20 years ago? Did you have a 401k there? And she's yeah. like, oh, well, I don't know, maybe I did. Light you know? bulb, yeah. All of a sudden there's some money and it's usually not, when they're forgotten and that old, there's usually not a tremendous amount, but I mean, I've seen 30, 40 grand sitting in one. Yeah, yeah, it's like People finding a totally forgot about. $10 bill in the washing machine. You yeah. know, do, do a load of laundry, like, oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, so it, it does happen. Uh, that's that's something we certainly uh, work often with our clients on is just really simplifying their financial life by finding all those you know accounts that have been lost or forgotten and trying to pull them together and, and put them to work. Um, unfortunately, on the 401ks, you know, uh, you typically don't have great investment options. You're, you're limited in scope and what you can do. And, and oftentimes uh, the fees are a little higher than you'd pay elsewhere to have that money. So don't forget about those. Certainly, um, if you're not going to move them away, you know, into roll them into an IRA when you leave an employer, at least take a look and make sure you know, you know, how it's invested and what fees you're paying and, and make the smart decision if you, if you are going to leave it behind. Um, don't forget about it. Yeah. And my, my advice is pretty much the same to everybody. It's like, you know, as soon as you get out of there, roll yeah, it over. Take it over. Take yeah. it. You know, drop yeah. the fees get more control over it. You know, if you've got an IRA at one of the big boxes or, or pretty much anywhere, you've got a lot more control and a lot quicker control. If you see the market starting to do something, you want to make a change. You're not having to go through a 401k administrator and submit an email and wait for a response and have them get with the custodian and do all that other stuff. So it's usually a, a good idea to get it out of there. Once nobody's matching it anymore, you have no benefit. Yeah. There's no yeah. benefit to you of having it at that for at the, uh, that place. That's a great point. The conversation of contributing to a 401k versus like an IRA really gets flipped on its head with the match because, yeah, you want to take advantage of that free money. But once that disappears, there's so many more advantages into having full control over those plans, it sounds like. So, yeah, more efficient, better opportunities. And you can consolidate a little bit, too, especially if you've had multiple jobs. You don't want three or four old 401ks sitting around roll them into one house and just it gets you much more organized you'll just feel cleaner having all of everything under one umbrella like that versus scattered all over the place it's a great point uh, another area where we find some hidden gems from time to time are life insurance policies maybe ones that have been kept in the drawer for a while and do we still need those policies could that money be put to better use do you have occasions where you meet with clients and that becomes part of the conversation we do. We have that often. Um, a lot of times they, they don't understand it or they've forgotten about it. You know, somebody's uh, grandparents bought them a whole life policy when they were you know, two years old and they've had it forever. And then they just don't think about it. They're still thinking of the, the death benefit realm. But a lot of times those things have developed some cash value that we can 10, 30, 
five into another policy and take a, a lot of advantage of, of tax advantages on it. Yeah, we find that it's one of those things where you know you, you take out the policy when you're younger, you have kids, you know the whole mortgage, all the normal reasons why you'd buy a life policy and. You start paying those payments and you just get in the habit. Maybe it's on auto draft from your checking account. You just forget about it. It's just one of those things in life you forget about. And so we'll find those often. And it's like, are you still paying for this? Well, well, yeah, you know, it costs me X amount every month. Well, why do you still have it? And there, there's generally not an answer that comes quickly. You know, it's kind of like, well, it's because I've always had it, you know. Um, so it's it's a good time uh, as, if, as you're looking at doing some retirement planning or really any planning of any kind. Uh, to just take a look at that life policy and, and make sure it's still meeting the same needs you purchased it for. And if you either don't have those needs or your needs have changed, then maybe that policy needs to change too uh, to, to really serve you better. And that, that's really what we look to analyze. How can we better utilize uh, that, that asset? Right. We're talking about at the bare minimum just for house cleaning, you know, just keeping things straight and knowing why there's a debit coming out of your checking account every month is right, right. something that's going to benefit. And, and I'm, I'm speaking to, to, to life policies with some cash value there, right? If it's just a term policy, then, then you, you know, if the decision is you don't need any more, then, then we can let it go and we're not going to renew it, that sort of thing. But if it's something with cash value, it's, it's really, it's even more valuable to really uh, pay attention to and figure out if there isn't something better we can, we can redirect those funds towards. Well, the one, the one that's the most significant is when it's a, an old school universal life policy, yeah. because the, you know, a whole life policy, you're going to pay on it forever. It's going to keep developing cash value. I mean, you should have some at the end. The universal life policies kind of peak and start going the other way. So they're, they're designed so the cash value builds and builds and builds. And as your cost of insurance increases, eventually it starts tapping into that cash value to pay for it. And that cash value starts to decrease. So if you don't need that policy, there's no reason to just let accumulated cash value continue to pay something that you don't need. Right, right. And it's not always apparent what you have. So that, that's, that's another reason to, to bring the statement in and, and have us take a look at it with you is figure out what do you have and what's the need for it and can we do something uh, different or better or do we leave it alone? Yeah, we're talking about these hidden gems that might be in your statements or in your portfolio. Maybe these are the things that have been sitting around in the cabinet or the filing cabinet for too long, collecting dust on them. Old 401ks, life insurance, so far the examples. Guys, I'm sure folks also have savings accounts, or maybe it's a money market or even a CD that's maybe not working as efficiently as it could that people have kind of just forgot that they were utilizing and investing in. I don't see that as often. Um, you know, people have, you know, CDs or, or some old savings account at a, at a credit union that they're not really maintaining, but they usually remember those. Yeah. Yeah. I, it happens from time to time. I think the the more maybe relevant way to talk about it is just kind of in terms of, of return. So, I mean, I think we're all guilty of just assuming the rate's going to be, you know, point nothing, right, at, at our savings account. And so you may have uh, your kind of your short-term six to 12-month savings emergency bucket sitting at your, your most convenient bank where you have your checking account, but that may not be the best place for it. You might get one point something instead of zero point something if you had it in a different location. So sometimes having that on autopilot, kind of forgetting about it, while that's good in terms of making sure you're not just dipping into the emergency fund to, to buy that new thing you want, you may be able to do better by yourself by putting it somewhere else where you're earning a little bit higher return. Rates have come down, but they're still at a higher point than just 0.0. .0. So you can go out and find some better rates than maybe you're getting currently in a savings account. So something to think about in terms of, uh, as we talk about forgetting about things to do. I guess those accounts get out of balance over time too. If somebody has been saving into a savings account, just kind of automatically or on autopilot for a really long time, sure. all of a sudden they kind of look at it and it's like, wow, I've got not just six months of expenses in this account saved up, but you know, I've got a significant amount of money hanging out in here that maybe is, is getting dustier or that lazy money. We've heard that term before. 
Right. I mean, that's that's not a bad problem to have as long as you identify it and do something about it. Right. Right. That's a good right. point, though, right. Walter. I mean, if you're if you're on autopilot into savings and maybe it's not going into the four hundred one k or into the IRA, it's just going into the savings account. Um, at some point, there is a such thing as as too much cash on hand. So you want to make sure that again that the those dollars are working for you. So even if your risk tolerance is, is super super conservative, um, you can still do something more than than a savings account and and kind of earn that zero point nothing. So make sure you you don't have too much cash on hand or at least make sure you know that you do at least don't forget about it kind of like Walter's saying and, and make sure there's in a place that you need to rebalance and reallocate that too to make sure you don't have too much because that, that certainly is a thing that's a great point Walter last but not least what about something like a, a an old pension fund that maybe got frozen years ago and people didn't really you know do anything with those dollars if they got put into a lump sum or you know something along those lines is that kind of similar to the old 401k scenario where there's just a better use for those dollars it's kind of stuck in an account that's not working as efficiently or gaining as much as it could oh yeah for sure now, that's that's probably the more common one you know somebody Somebody left, they had a pension fund, they meant to do something with it, they got their new job, got busy, and all of a sudden 10 years has gone by, and yeah, they've yeah. just kind of forgotten about it, and they might have twenty dollars or $100,000 sitting somewhere. And a lot of times people remember it, but what they're remembering is, oh yeah, someday I'm going to have a small income stream coming out of this. So just be sure to remember that kind of thing. But, right, you know, right. but there's a lot of times where we can take it as a lump and put it somewhere else and make it perform better to a better income stream than what it's going to uh, you know, produce in its own specific way. Right, right. And I think sometimes it's it's just one of those things people just forget about or, or it's complicated. They're, they got some letter from right from the pension fund and they're trying to figure out what who I need to call to figure out what to do with it and how does that work and can I roll that over? Or, you know, there's lots of questions surrounding it. It's not as, as cut and dry even as, as just rolling a 401k over always. So it's something that kind of gets pushed to, to the back and, you know, life moves on and you forget about it. So, you know, uh, certainly as you're clearing out the file cabinet, if you find one of those, it, it is a little bit of a hidden gem. Certainly it's, like I said, finding that $10 in the wash machine so uh, pull that up and, and let's figure it out and see who we need to call and track that down and, and, and get those dollars working for you um, and make sure it's going to be productive in a retirement scenario but something else that goes hand in hand with that a lot of those pension funds they're not always real friendly when you're trying to get the money out yeah so they make it more complicated than it needs to be um, put you through too many hoops and people just give up you know are they are they they run out of time. They allocate, you know, 20 minutes today to deal with this. And, you know, all of a sudden it turns into a four hour ordeal. So they'll deal with it later. And then later it never happens. I mean, I actually had a review with a client and she's had quite a few jobs in her past. And there's all kinds of, you know, 401ks and pension funds and stuff like that. She had to spread everywhere. She comes in with a HEB bag just full of stuff. But there was this one small pension fund that had a cash value of about eight or nine grand. And she actually had gotten on it and had been trying to get it out, roll it over, do something with it for the past like month. And they were just running in circles. So we got them on the phone and I straightened them out in about 10 minutes and you know, <laughs> got them going. But that, it, it, was, it, was, it was sad. It was obvious that they were intentionally being difficult in an attempt to not you know, release the funds. So you know, if any of this resonates with you, if you're kind of freaking out on, on what's going on, the world's on fire, the stock market's crashing, everybody's losing their jobs, just, you know, just calm down, first of all. What I really want is to talk to you. We have historically done in-office appointments. Right now, obviously, we're going uh, the virtual route, so we can talk to you on the phone. We can do video conferencing. And by the way, I know we're on the radio, so this is reaching a larger audience. We're a, a local wealth management company here, but if we're going to talk to somebody on the phone or on the Internet, you know, guys, if, you're, if you can hear us on the radio, we can talk to you through the virtual means. So just give us a call. Call the office and schedule a time to talk to me. The worst thing that can happen is you spend 30 minutes to find out that maybe we're not a good fit. But my clients are not freaking out right now. They're insulated from the market downturn as it relates to their income, and that's really what it's all about. We're here to generate income. 
If your market-based portfolio is down, I can't change that right now. But what I can do is show you how to reposition, reallocate, and shift your investment mindset to one that is more um, geared towards true retirement and generating income in retirement. So just give us a call. Give us a call, and we'll set up a time to talk and go from there. It's very easy to get in touch, of course. Just call or text 512-952-5555. That's 512-952-5555. That puts you in touch with Jonathan Berklin and Jess Hamill and the team at Skyline Wealth Strategies, and it allows you to set up a time for that 30-minute call or video conference so you can meet remotely with the team and get your financial plan in place. Call or text 512-952-5555. That's 512-952-5555. Or get in touch via the website at SkylineWealth.com. That's SkylineWealth.com. Talk 1370, the right choice. This is the Skyline Wealth Strategies Radio Show. I'm Walter Storholt, joined as always by Jess Hamill and Jonathan Berkland and the great team at Skyline Wealth Strategies. You can find more information about the team and how we can help you prepare for retirement by going to SkylineWealth.com. Jess and Jonathan, I wanted to talk a little bit today about traditional IRAs and Roth IRAs. It seems that I think a lot of people don't have a clear picture of whether they should contribute to one or the other, or maybe even both. And so I wanted to kind of discuss how we can determine what's the best fit for you listening to the show today. So first of all, can you guys give us kind of that that 10,000 foot view, explain the difference between Roth and traditional? Yeah, sure. It's, It's actually really straightforward. A traditional IRA, you contribute money to it and it is you know the term is pre-tax but basically at the end of the year you claim it on your tax return as a contribution so you don't pay tax on that amount and now that account assuming it grows grows tax deferred so the money that was put into it has not been taxed the growth has not been taxed and then at the time that you start to take money out it is just it's income so no matter what you pull out it just becomes income it gets lumped in with the rest of your income and you get taxed on it at whatever rate you're in at that point a Roth is basically the opposite of that so you get paid Something's left over, you put it in the Roth. It's not something that you can deduct or not pay tax on at that point. That money's already been taxed, and now all the growth is forever tax-free. Not tax-deferred, but tax-free. Yes, growth and distributions that you take from that uh, basis and growth. So, so they're also they're not, they're not subject to RMDs, required minimum distributions, because there's nothing to tax. And favorite way of accumulating for the future is, is tax-free. Now, the question is always, which one should I contribute to? And the question is answered based on the circumstances that you're in. So usually it's both. Um, I like to get a good blend of tax-deferred and tax-free. It helps you in the short term, sometimes, on your taxable income. And then it also helps us balance out your income later on so that we're not popping into the next tax bracket every time we give you an increase in income due to inflation or needs. Yep, it's really what can you stomach to pay taxes on today? And some people may not be able to contribute to a Roth, right? There's there's a threshold. It's a little bit high if you're married versus if you're single. But there comes a point where the IRS essentially phases you out. There so. is, and that's kind of it's kind of silly. I mean, the same guys that are writing these laws also make probably the amount of money that would right. pay them out of it. So yeah. of course they come up with a back door. Yep. Um, so you can contribute to an IRA to a traditional and then immediately convert to a Roth. Yep. It doesn't matter how much money pay you pay. Pay your taxes, yeah. Pay your taxes. So yep. it's it's the exact same thing, just one extra step. I don't even know why they they put the limits on it anymore. I mean, it's anybody with a, a little bit of knowledge can just work right around it. Yeah, just have to work a little bit harder. That's yeah, the that's the backdoor Roth, is that right? 
Correct. Okay. Correct. Gotcha. Yeah. It, what is reality? I mean, is reality that more people are contributing to traditional versus Roths? Are the Roths being underutilized in your minds? I believe so. I mean, everybody, everybody's stuck in this tax deferred mindset. Um, it helps me today. It's less tax right. I've got to pay today, so I get to put it somewhere else, and then it grows tax deferred. All you're doing is kicking the can down the road. And to me, and you've heard me talk about risk before, there's various things that we consider when we're looking at risk for investments. One is, what is the risk that I'm not going to get the return that I anticipate? The other one is, what is the risk that I'm going to lose my principal? But for me, I think the tax risk is the greatest one. What is the risk that 20 years from now or 10 years from now, when it's time for me to start utilizing this tax-deferred income, that we have a change in administrations, and now the tax rates are so much higher that I would have been better off paying the tax now than later. Yep, and it's, it's definitely just a here's what we've always done sort of thing as far as contributing to a traditional, I believe. You know, 401k operates very similarly, and that's something people often have happen automatically off their paychecks. And historically, those have been tax-deferred rather than you paying the tax up front. Nowadays, they're coming out with the Roth 401ks, and that becomes an option. But I think traditionally speaking, people think of the traditional IRA very similarly as the 401k. So a traditional IRA makes a lot of sense. Get the tax break up front, put the dollars in, it's tax deferred, down the road we go. And they kind of don't don't give the consideration to the Roth just because it kind of hurts to pay those taxes up front, right? But yeah. uh, it can hurt a little bit more if you're paying, to, to Jess's point, a higher rate down the road, uh, maybe in a rate that you're not, we don't have today that's going to go up uh, higher than we expect to uh, due to you know, changes in administration. So, And not only necessarily potentially a higher rate, I mean, I... I I would venture to say we are probably in the lowest tax brackets that we're likely to see in our lifetime. Yep. So they've got nowhere to go but up. But the sad part about it is, you know, you'll hear me say this one example time after time. I had a younger client come in, him and his wife are both about 50, and they had between the two of them almost $3 million in their 401ks. And they had like $30,000 in the bank. And that's it. Yeah. No, yeah. no you know, rental properties, no uh, brokerage accounts. And they're so proud of themselves. Like, look, we got $3 million in our 401k. So that's fantastic. Every penny that you spend for the rest of your life is going to be taxable. Bottom yep. line. Yep. And we can try to help you convert some of that, but that's going to be a slow process, <laughs> exactly. right? Over to the Roth, yeah. Because right. we're not going to have you paying taxes at the highest bracket to do those conversions. So that's something we could talk about, too, is, is you know, how do I convert to yeah. a Roth from a traditional, right? And, and when does that make sense to do that versus maybe not do that? Yeah. I had a client that it's, it hasn't been that long ago, about a year ago. He had probably a little over a million in his traditional, and he had just retired. And his CPA actually told him, just bite the bullet and convert it all right now. Do it all. Yeah. Do it all in a Roth, and then you're good from now on. I'm like, yeah, but <laughs> 70% of that's going to be taxed at 37%. Right, like, right. Come on, guys. Use your head here. Yeah, that's that's not a great uh, advice from a CPA. I mean, I, that's that's something else. But, uh, yeah, it really is. It's a, it's a decision that you kind of make on an annual basis looking at your income for the year. As you get towards the end of the year, you know, come October, maybe kind of looking at what did I make this year? What do I have sitting in traditional that, I, that could be converted over to Roth? I mean, just what can I stomach from a tax standpoint? What makes sense? How can I stay on those lower tax brackets and move some some of those dollars over? And you don't have to do all of it in one account. You could pick, you know, one dollar or a hundred thousand or a million dollars. So pick the amount that keeps you in the tax brackets that you're comfortable with and, and, and move it over and certainly talk through that with your advisor and CPA. But that's the time to do it and, and do it smart. Yeah, and then the next level of planning on that is to save enough back in non-qualified money so that the first year that you're retired, or maybe even the first two or three years that you're retired, you can spin that down and start doing the conversions at you know, 10, 12% right, um, interest, right. or, uh, tax brackets there. So you can, you can live off of your own money that's not taxable, and while you're doing that, because you have no taxable income coming in, all of your Roth conversions are making up the taxable income. I mean, you can go up to seventy, eighty thousand $80,000 and still be in the lower tax brackets very easily. 
So, you know, if any of this resonates with you, if you're kind of freaking out on, on what's going on, the world's on fire, the stock market's crashing, everybody's losing their jobs, just, you know, just calm down, first of all. What I really want is to talk to you. We have historically done in-office appointments. Right now, obviously, we're going uh, the virtual route, so we can talk to you on the phone. We can do video conferencing. And by the way, I know we're on the radio, so this is reaching a larger audience. We're a local wealth management company here, but if we're going to talk to somebody on the phone or on the Internet, you know, guys, if, you're, if you can hear us on the radio, we can talk to you through the virtual means. So just give us a call. Call the office and schedule a time to talk to me. The worst thing that can happen is you spend 30 minutes to find out that maybe we're not a good fit. But my clients are not freaking out right now. They're insulated from the market downturn as it relates to their income, and that's really what it's all about. We're here to generate income. If your market-based portfolio is down, I can't change that right now. But what I can do is show you how to reposition, reallocate, and shift your investment mindset to one that is more um, geared towards true retirement and generating income in retirement. So just give us a call. Give us a call, and we'll set up a time to talk and go from there. It's very easy to get in touch, of course. Just call or text 512-952-5555. That's 512-952-5555. That puts you in touch with Jonathan Berklin and Jess Hamill and the team at Skyline Wealth Strategies, and it allows you to set up a time for that 30-minute call or video conference so you can meet remotely with the team and get your financial plan in place. Call or text 512-952-5555. That's 512-952-5555. Or get in touch via the website at skylinewealth.com. That's skylinewealth.com. It's getting to know you time. Well, it's time to get to know Jess and Jonathan a little bit better on today's show. Guys, fun question for you this week. If you could have video of one event in your life, so obviously video of an event that you don't currently have video of, uh, what event would you choose if you could have that, log it, and be able to go back and watch it? Oh, man. Probably uh, Steve Ravon's last performance up at, uh, at the Meadows. Oh, I don't know how I'm to beat that. That's a good one. <laughs> man. I'm trying to think of what my my generation. No offense, Jess, but I feel like there's there's kind of a, a camcorder in hand or a, a, a phone in hand at all times. Everything's what, on video, right? Well, it's not. I have to go ask my mom. You know what, what didn't we catch? No, you know I, I think probably. Um, and this is this is kind of deep and personal, but like the proposal to my wife, we went and did the uh, yeah. the whole thing and ha- had a great experience. But it, it was it was just us, you know. So we, we didn't have that, you know, pictures or video or anything of that. I've got it locked in my mind for sure, but. I think she wishes that, you know, some point in time we could go back and, and rewatch that. So maybe a, that. A lot of people do film like that. that, but then it seems like, well, why'd you? Yeah. I don't want anybody else there filming it. I, so I think she secretly kind of wanted that maybe, but yeah. I don't know. It was, I don't know. That's just funny. us. That's so. pretty cool. Anyways. That's yeah, cool. that's a good yeah. answer, though. That's a good answer. Real yeah. good answer. Yeah, I think so. I, I'd love to see some, uh, I, for whatever reason, I don't have any video of when I ran cross country in high school. So I'd love some video of back when I was in that good of shape. <laughs> there you oh, go. Wow. <laughs> That's a, so. I, I have to admit, I ran cross country and don't have any video of it either. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not a very exciting thing to video for the bystanders, no. right? Like, yeah, a bunch of sweaty teenagers. Yeah, yeah. And there they go. <laughs> but looking back now, that'd be fun to have. Uh, so anyway, funny. Uh, very cool. Different answers there for sure. That's what we would like to have some video of from our lives. That's getting to know Jonathan and Jess a little bit better on today's show. More coming up. Stay tuned. 
This is the Skyline Wealth Strategies Radio Show. I'm Walter Storholt, joined as always by Jess Hamill and Jonathan Berkland and the great team at Skyline Wealth Strategies. You can find more information about the team and how we can help you prepare for retirement by going to skylinewealth.com. On today's show, we want to talk about some of the important retirement mistakes. Guys, first on the list here for us to tackle is investing like you're still working. Why would that be a common mistake that people make? Well, first of all, you're not still working. So <laughs> that would kind of be the most fundamental aspect right there. But, you know, we've all been conditioned, or the majority of us growing up um, throughout our career, all the way up until retirement, that investing is synonymous with the stock market. There are some other, you know, individual investments. For the most part, that's what everybody thinks about. So, you know, if you're 40 years old, you're making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year, you are in a certain level of risk in the market, and we have a 2000 or 2008, for the most part, you can ride it out. You're, you're still working. So you're not relying on those investments um, for your income. And in some cases, you go out and buy some more while it's down, you know, but the price drops, market drops, keep on working, eventually it'll come back up. You've got time before you need to start relying on it. So if you're 60 or 65, and you're relying on your nest egg in the market for your income, and we get a drop like 2008, now we've got a, a double whammy. So one, you don't have time to wait for it to ride out before you start spending it. So the only thing that makes a portfolio lose value faster than the market dropping is you spending it while the market's dropping, because now we've got significantly less to build back on to come back. So having that mindset, a lot of people come in here and they, they, they're still going off the old adage, you know, as long as you just spend 4% of your portfolio, it'll last forever. You know, those are the old days. That doesn't work anymore. So if you're just trying to spend a nest egg down, spend it slower than it's growing in the market and the market drops, you're, you're in a whole different world. So investing as if you had a job is probably the number one mistake that I see people doing when they no longer have a job. Right. And I think what Jess is getting at is recognizing that you're no longer in the accumulation phase of, of your investment life, right? You're, you're now in preservation and or distribution. Um, you have to think about things a little bit differently. So it's time to, to take a, a quick check at what am I doing with my portfolio currently? And if you're putting a retirement plan together, considering retirement, you got to consider that you're also kind of in a different phase of life. It's, it's going to be preservation and or distribution. And those take a little bit different tools to accomplish those successfully than, than you've been using to accumulate. Yeah, exactly. Now, there's nothing wrong with being in the market in retirement, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to accumulate, but it's a mindset that you've got to shift to, to you know, reflect the fact that you don't have a paycheck coming anymore. And the exactly. best way I can exactly. say to describe that is let's reposition some of those assets and turn them into paychecks. Paychecks that last forever, paychecks that adjust for inflation. And once we've got all of your income figured out, then we look at accumulation. So if something goes wrong, we have another 2008 then, hey, we're not thrilled about it, but it's okay because our income is safe and we can still ride it out. We're not relying on that for income, waiting for 8 or 10 or 12 years for it to come back. My guess is a lot of people just don't realize that that is a trigger, that when you something needs to change with your investments, and, and really, as we've talked about on the show before, probably leading up to that point as well, it's not exactly a flip of a switch, but there's a transitional period that happens. But some people just aren't don't even realize that that change needs to happen in the first place, let alone then what needs to happen from there. And uh, that's what we're trying to point out on today's show, one of the common retirement mistakes uh, that the guys see, investing like you're still working. The annuity trap. What is the annuity trap? You know, annuities are probably one of the most misunderstood financial instruments out there. The annuities of today are very different from your grandfather's annuity. So people are still carrying that whole, my grandfather told me not to ever do it, or my brother-in-law told me don't ever buy an annuity. A lot of them are remembering the way things were structured before. But on top of it, there are different types of annuities. And, you know, they say a little bit of knowledge is a dangerous thing. So when you have somebody that 
knows a little bit about a variable annuity and a little bit about a fixed index annuity and a little bit about an immediate annuity, and they all they lump them all together and try to piece it together and, and paint one picture. Um, a lot of times you get a pretty ugly picture that's not exactly accurate. So I'll use variable annuities as an example. There's there's very little place in retirement, in my opinion, for a variable annuity. A variable annuity is basically your market-based portfolio under the cloak of an annuity. So if your goal is to come out of a risk-based scenario and go into an annuity, the last thing you want to do is take it and put it into an annuity and throw it right back out to the market. And on top of it, somebody's got to manage that. So now you're paying even more for somebody to manage your portfolio in the market while it's in an annuity. And a lot of times those fees are hidden. So those are, I see those all the time, three and a half, four percent in fees to be in a variable annuity. So, you know, if, you, if you're in four percent of fees and you're up six, you're only up two. If you're down two, then you're really down six because the, the insurance company is going to make their four percent no matter what. Right, right. Um, so because of nuances like that that don't really pertain to the annuities that we do, a lot of times people will shy away from something that, that makes a lot of sense for them. Right. The annuity trap really is is either not understanding the annuity that you're purchasing and or having an annuity that you don't understand or that doesn't fit within a plan because you don't have a plan. You just have that product and you're, you're hoping it, it works out for you. So it's really important to, to one, understand what you are purchasing, which is something you know we, we do every day, day in and day out. That's very important to us. And two, making sure that works within the context of, of your plan and what you're trying to accomplish in retirement. Yeah, so, so it's like, what, what are you doing with the annuity? Are you trying to accumulate or are you trying to turn it into income? I mean, those are two completely different classes of annuities. And unfortunately, a lot of people have an annuity that worked out better for the commission for the annuity salesman than what works out best for them. So when we sit down with you, we show you everything show you how it all works, explain it in great detail. People walk out here all the time and say, wow, I never understood it like that right. before. Thank you so much for, for explaining Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Annuities that you already have, and it may be something yeah. that we plan on using in the plan that we're building for you, right? Both ways. Yeah, so people come in here all the time with annuities that they bought from an annuity salesman, and they have no idea what it is. Hmm. The trap isn't the annuity. The trap is the misinformation about Absolutely. the annuity. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Very cool. All right, this uh, next uh, mistake that people make is a bit bombastic. It is the tax time bomb. What is the tax time bomb? Sounds very dramatic. Anybody that's listened to this show for a while that knows me very well knows that I'm not a big fan of tax-deferred qualified accounts. It's not that they don't have any place, but I think people put too much emphasis on them. So when I see a client that comes in and they've got $3 million in their 401k and $40,000 in the bank, and that's it. And they're so proud because they've done so well with this 401k. I tell them, congratulations, every penny of income for the rest of your life is taxable. Right. Um, so it, you need to not get so caught up in that desire to have tax deferred income, especially if you're in the higher income brackets. So, you know, if you're if you're living on sixty thousand dollars a year and you're going to retire with three or four hundred thousand dollars in your 401k and you're basically relying on Social Security and a little bit of drawdown. OK, let's go tax deferred. You're going to be in the lower tax brackets. But most of our clients are coming in here living on one hundred to two hundred thousand dollars now. And many of them live on even more money in retirement. So if you have deferred all that tax down the road and chosen to take all of your income out of tax deferred accounts, you're giving up a lot more of it in tax in many situations than you would have if you just paid tax in the first place. Right. So I, I like a blend, tax deferred, tax free, tax efficient. And that way we can blend all of those throughout the rest of your life to keep you in the lower tax brackets. But when you come in with everything tax deferred, then everything's gonna be taxable. And I've said it once, I'll say it a million times, I don't think the biggest risk that you have in your portfolio going into retirement is the market. It's, I think it's the taxes. We don't know who's going to be in office 15 or 20 years from now when we retire. So 
what tax bracket am I going to be in? Am I going to be in the 20% bracket or the 60% bracket that doesn't even exist right now? Exactly. And, and furthermore, referring that tax bomb down the road to your beneficiaries, right? I mean, yeah. uh, a lot of the times if you're in that scenario, just described quite a bit of money in, in a 401k or IRA, and you may not be planning on spending all that yourself, but you want to leave that to the next generation. That's not necessarily the, the ideal instrument to, to leave to your beneficiaries because they may very well inherit uh, that tax bomb themselves and, and, and unknowingly uh, pay a lot of taxes if they take that lump sum, which happens more often than not. So um, that's something we have to consider too and, and help you think about and walk through as we're doing our retirement planning is the next generation, those beneficiaries. Yep. Uh, let's get to one more here in the time allotted, guys. Procrastination. I got to imagine maybe this is the, the granddaddy of them all. You know, it really is. But can we just talk about that one later? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah. We'll just pencil it in for next yeah. week. How about that's that? right. We'll, yeah. we'll, maybe do a little, yeah. we'll get around to it. What's yeah. going to happen right. then, though, Jess? Is there something <laughs> else, another shiny object going to take you away? <laughs> Probably so. You know, so that that's that's one of the things that we deal with quite a bit. Um, I'll sit down with somebody and we'll go through a lot of uh planning and they look at it they say it sounds great but you know i think i want to wait what are you waiting on you're getting older not younger uh, you know all of the things that you're exposed to only get worse by waiting so procrastination is probably the the biggest hurdle that i have with clients it's an emotional thing they don't want to move on anything because they're scared so they want to put it off to later so you know you'll hear it on the show many many times i'm more of a therapist than i am a financial advisor yes <laughs> um and my job is to get people to emotionally come to terms with the fact that they are getting older and they are changing their lifestyle and they need to react accordingly so you know if any of this resonates with you if you're kind of freaking out on on what's going on the world's on fire the stock market's crashing everybody's losing their jobs just you know just calm down first of all what i really want is to talk to you we have historically done in-office appointments Right now, obviously, we're going uh, the virtual route, so we can talk to you on the phone. We can do video conferencing. And by the way, I know we're on the radio, so this is reaching a larger audience. We're a local wealth management company here, but if we're going to talk to somebody on the phone or on the Internet, you know, guys, if, you're, if you can hear us on the radio, we can talk to you through the virtual means. So just give us a call. Call the office and schedule a time to talk to me. The worst thing that can happen is you spend 30 minutes to find out that maybe we're not a good fit. But my clients are not freaking out right now. They're insulated from the market downturn as it relates to their income, and that's really what it's all about. We're here to generate income. If your market-based portfolio is down, I can't change that right now. But what I can do is show you how to reposition, reallocate, and shift your investment mindset to one that is more um, geared towards true retirement and generating income in retirement. So just give us a call. Give us a call, and we'll set up a time to talk and go from there. It's very easy to get in touch, of course. Just call or text 512-952-5555. That's 512-952-5555. That puts you in touch with Jonathan Berklin and Jess Hamill and the team at Skyline Wealth Strategies, and it allows you to set up a time for that 30-minute call or video conference so you can meet remotely with the team and get your financial plan in place. Call or text 512 952 5555. That's 512-952-5555. Or get in touch via the website at skylinewealth.com. That's skylinewealth.com. Talk 13-7, the right choice. This is the Skyline Wealth Strategies Radio Show. I'm Walter Storholt, joined as always by Jess Hamill and Jonathan Berkland and the great team at Skyline Wealth Strategies. You can find more information about the team and how we can help you prepare for retirement by going to skylinewealth.com. 
want to talk on today's show about the three money models. It's interesting because almost everything that you can do with your money from a saving and investing standpoint falls simply, I say simple, but it falls simply into one of three different models. And we want to spend some time just kind of uh, educating you and exploring some of the pros and cons of each of these models. So the uh, 30,000 foot view here, there's the banking model, the Wall Street model, and the insurance model, or, or worlds, you'll hear this described as, the worlds of money, the banking world, the Wall Street world, and the insurance world. Guys, let's take them one by one. Let's start with some of the pros and also some of the cons of being in the banking model from a saving and investing standpoint. So I think overall, money in the bank, for the most part, is fairly safe. Sure. Um, you know, we talk about losing your money safely. We're talking about inflation being ahead of the interest rate that you get in your savings account. But right. when you take that out of the equation, we're talking about risk. You know, I look at two layers of risk usually in that scenario. One, if I put some money somewhere and I'm supposed to get a return, what is the risk that I will or will not get the return? But more importantly, what's the risk that I'm not going to get my principal back in the first place? And for the most part, money in the bank is you know widely accepted as being very, very low risk as far as getting your principal back. Right. A, that's the phrase, right? Money in the bank, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, there's a sticker that's on the door of every bank you ever walked into. Your deposits are federally insured by the FDIC for up to $250,000. But that is a little bit misleading. We tend to try to live in a common sense world, and unfortunately, government bureaucracies don't typically follow common sense. So most people read that sign, and they assume if I have $300,000 in this bank and the bank goes under, I'm going to get $250,000. And if I have $200,000 in this bank and the bank goes under, I'm going to get $200,000. And they don't really think it through any further than that. They don't realize the FDIC has 10-plus years to pay you off. They don't realize that a lot of time people are settling for – 40 or 50 cents on the dollar. What that up to 250 means is that's the most you're going to get. Doesn't right. mean you're automatically going to get everything up to $250,000. Um, now, that being said, you know, people always use Bank of America as a, as a bank that people use as an example. They're talking about banks. Well, if Bank of America failed tomorrow, what would happen? Well, if Bank of America collapsed tomorrow, we've probably got some pretty significant bigger issues going on that, to worry about than just, you know, my checking account over at Bank of America. But when you're comparing those three worlds um, from, a, from a purist standpoint on safety, the bank, you know, doesn't always come out on top when it comes to what is the, the chance that I'm going to not lose my principal. And most people don't really realize that until they get a little bit of education on what the FDIC really does. Right, right. Yeah, I would say that probably has a few eyebrows raised just kind of bringing up those points. But it, it at least does seem, until you just clouded the waters there for me, Jess, I was going to say <laughs> the banking models seem pretty <laughs> simple and easy to understand. But now I see that there's more there's more layers to it there. There is. You know, that's, yeah. that's uh, one of the things that I talk about in most of my second appointments. How you know, I'm, I'm obviously prepping towards an answer that I want to hear. I'll ask people, you know, if you have three places to keep your money, the bank, or the uh, the brokerage house or the insurance company, where's the safest place, knowing that you'll get your principal back? And everybody always defaults to the bank because of the FDIC. So that's the beginning of a conversation that we have in this office quite often. So you're not saying the bank's going to go out of, uh, watch out, banks are going out of uh, no, business no, 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 tomorrow, no. but just, you know, disabusing the notion that, uh, you know, there's you're going to get 100% of your money back 100% of the time. There are some scenarios that could cause trouble. Exactly. And okay. like I said, that, that question is loaded towards, you know, the ultimate conversation I'm having is about the safety of insurance companies because people don't typically think of an insurance company as a place to park money or save money or you know they're thinking of it from an insurance standpoint. So when I phrase the question, where is it going to be the safest between these three, everybody usually defaults to the bank. And by the end of the conversation, I've got them at least looking at it a little bit differently and thinking more openly about the safety of 
of you know the insurance companies, the biggest, most conservative, and oldest investment companies on the planet. Well, let's uh, let's table, let's put a pin in the insurance one. Let's do it. All right, we'll come, we'll come right back to it. All right, so banking model, we've got uh, you know n- no loss of principal typically, uh, simple and easy to understand for the most part. With you know I put in X amount of dollars, I get one percent return or whatever on my savings account. This is what I'm going to get out of the out of the backside. So we understand some of those prawns and then the cons, of course. You mentioned the losing money safely, not keeping up with inflation. So then we have the Wall Street model or the Wall Street world come along. Do some of the pros there make up for what the banking model lacks? I guess it depends on what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah, risk tolerance, right? Yeah. So I mean, that's the one place that we literally sign something before we hand our money over that says, I understand I could completely lose everything and, and I'm okay with that going into it. Right, right. So as long as you're okay with that going into it, then it's certainly a place where you can utilize it to earn some gains and take those off the table to a greater extent than you're going to find in a savings account. So with the right risk tolerance, um, certainly it's, it's a great place to, to park some money, but it's also a place you could lose a lot of money. Certainly if you had a, a nice uh, portfolio there in, in 2008, I'm sure you, you took a nice hit on that portfolio. So we've certainly seen the ups and downs of that and it has its place in, in retirement and retirement planning. And uh, it's generally not the place we go to for safe and secure income. <laughs> and, and like everything else, it's all relative, right? So right. are we talking about, is this where I'm going to put all my money? Right. Or is it some part of my money that's going to go over here and something's going to go in the bank and something's going to go in exactly. insurance? So if, it's, if the question is, I'm going to put all my money in one spot, is uh, Wall Street the best place? Probably not. No, not there. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and not all of these pros and cons that we discuss here would have to be financial either. Some of them strike at those emotions that we always seem to circle back to talking about here. And that would be the stress that's involved in the Wall Street model. That causes a lot of problems for folks. Yeah, I mean, some people enjoy getting up and logging on and immediately the second the market opens, you know, looking at their stock portfolio all day, every day, back and forth, back and forth. You know, that's fun for a while especially when the market's going up. Sure, sure. Uh, but after a while, especially if the market's going down, it, start, it starts becoming stressful. I mean, it's something that you, it, it almost becomes a habit like smoking or, or, you know, something that you're used to doing once per hour throughout the day. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, that's, that's not, that's not a life that I'm interested right, in, in, right. in pursuing on a daily basis. And we've had clients come in in that situation and they're like, I just, I just want to be rid of this, you know, <laughs> essentially this weight on my shoulders. I want to hand it off to somebody else, you know, and, but I want to keep the small amount to the side that I can play with. Right. So that's kind of the compromise, you know, let, let somebody else take that stress off you, manage it for you, but maybe you have a small little play account and you can, you can win or lose and it's not going to change the game for you yeah perfect it's like you know let's say you put too much money into motorcycle parts and your wife <laughs> gets upset about it so take some amount out put it in the market and say okay any any gain i get off of this can go towards motorcycle parts and if right. i and if i don't then i don't buy any motorcycle parts and then you've got nothing to complain about and we're still safe and secure on there the other side go. so there, there's one one use for it right there the difference in going to vegas with the rent money versus with just some extra spare money in your Correct. pocket right? exactly. yeah. uh, changes your experience in vegas i would imagine quite a bit there's a third model we alluded to it already it's the insurance model let's talk about the pros and cons there well that's i mean everybody anybody around here that knows me knows that the insurance model is uh, my favorite of all of them for various reasons one the insurance companies most of them been around for 100 plus years the types of investments that they're doing are very very long term they are you know they have two things that we don't have hundreds of billions of dollars in pretty much unlimited time mm-hmm. so a lot of these guys are investing in high grade long term corporate bonds that are 30 plus years so the money that's coming out of the insurance company today was you know invested back in the 80s and the stuff the old guys that are deciding where to put it right now they're going to be dead before that money comes back out so it's a it's kind of like a big ship riding over the waves in the ocean instead of being on a, on a little boat um, but aside from that it's the safety factor you know the, the 100 percent of all deposits being required to be in reserve um, the three levels of reinsurance the the state fund that backs that up that 
it ironically actually is the up to $250,000 per account. To me, it's just a much safer, more stable, less stressful place to uh, to count on not having to lose your principal. Yep, and that's certainly where we start in retirement planning is, is putting some money over over that allocation, right, to, to kind of build up the foundation in addition to your Social Security taxes, taxes, Social Security uh, <laughs> pension. That would be a little better than taxes, right? Social Security pension, what else do you have there to build up that, that safe foundation? Well, the insurance world gives us a lot of different options for that. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, there's something I've talked to my clients about. If you uh, – Let's say you want to buy a new truck, so you call up the Ford dealer and you tell them, hey, I don't, I don't have time to goof around. I want to set up an appointment and come meet with a salesman. I'm going to get this truck. So they say, all right, come on in at noon and meet with Bill. So you get there a little bit early and you ask for Bill. And they say, well, he's at, he's at lunch. And right about noon, you see a guy pull up in a brand new Chevy and get out, walk inside, and he comes out and says, hi, my name's Bill. I'm here to sell you a Ford. It's the best truck on the planet, right? So <laughs> if if Ford's the best truck on the planet, why is he getting out of Chevy? <laughs> um, and if somebody in the financial industry is talking to you about insurance products and the strength of that, and they happen to have the majority of their retirement also in insurance products, and their parents have them in insurance products, and their family's got them in insurance products, that that's, tends to speak volumes, in my opinion. Interesting. So how do you guys use these three models in your planning process? When you help folks kind of put together that financial plan, you just, you go into one model more than the others? Is it a mix of all three that you're achieving? Where do you, why do you lean on certain models here? Uh, you know, we, we typically lean on all three of them. Yep. Um, just in different proportions based on the size of the portfolio, the age of the client, and what they're trying to achieve in the end. But, I mean, for the most part, 95% of the plans put together is going to be spread across all three of those. Right, right. And I would say, you know, in terms of cash on hand, that's going to go in the bank most of the time. So that that's really probably the smallest allocation between the two um, is just go in there, you know, cash cash on hand, cash in the bank to have, and then we want the rest of that money working at a little bit higher rate than you're going to find in a savings account, ideally. Um, and it's just a matter of to what extent, what's our risk tolerance, and we kind of bridge the, the other two worlds um, accordingly. It's very easy to get in touch, of course. Just call or text 512-952-5555. That's 512-952-5555. That puts you in touch with Jonathan Berklin and Jess Hamill and the team at Skyline Wealth Strategies, and it allows you to set up a time for that 30-minute call or video conference so you can meet remotely with the team and get your financial plan in place. Call or text 512-952-5555. That's 512-952-5555. Or get in touch via the website at skylinewealth.com. That's skylinewealth.com. And that's all the time that we have for on this week's show. For Jess Hamill and Jonathan Berkland. I'm Walter Storholt. We'll talk to you next time right back here on the Skyline Wealth Strategies Radio Show. Our firm does not offer tax or legal advice, and no information we provide may be construed as such. Individuals are encouraged to consult with a qualified professional before making any decisions about their personal financial situation or decisions concerning government benefits. This content is provided for information purposes only and is not intended to serve as the basis for financial decisions. We are not affiliated with the U.S. government or any governmental agency. Investment advisory services offered only by duly registered individuals through AE Wealth Management, LLC. AE Wealth Management, LLC, and Skyline Wealth Strategies, LLC are unaffiliated companies.